when I started this podcast almost exactly two years ago, actually, I never expected to incorporate so much about philosophy, right? I mean, of course, there's behavior changes as part of a wellness journey. I, I strongly believe you have to have faith in your health efficacy, your own ability to impact in a positive way your health journey. But I didn't expect to incorporate so much about Buddhism, uh, Stoicism, uh, for example. Um, but I did, and for good reason. Early in my recovery of my headache, I had to come to terms with the fact that I had had a migraine. It just didn't make sense to me. It took me weeks to use the word, actually, because I'd never had a headache. These were meant for younger people, uh, and largely women, although I know men, certainly, that have had uh, that deal with migraines. But this is, in fact, what struck my uh, my doctor so much. No history of migraines. Uh, a male in my mid-50s for my first onset. And I knew I was part of a large migraine community. Uh, but I had also joined a very small uh, group of men experiencing a first migraine in their 50s. And this is uh, why my doctor sent me so quickly to an MRI. But I knew that those images would show nothing. And that was something else I really had to come to terms with. The stress and the pressure that I described in the previous episodes were, were so much more impactful to me than I thought, and they caused this just traumatic event. But how? Right? I mean, I practiced mindfulness for many years, meditation, uh, 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 Buddhist and Stoic responses to the world. These are supposed to have shielded me from a stress-related event, so it was a bit of a shocker. I had learned how to metabolize stress, as I refer to it, and yet somehow that had failed me? No, no, I don't believe it did, actually. I believe instead it protected me for many years. It was these practices, these philosophies of wellness that helped delay it and explain why it happened so late in my life relative to when migraines typically occur. This is super important that I believe my strategies and my approaches work. They do work, but they apparently only could keep me together for so long. And so they needed to be built upon. Much more work needed to be done so that I never felt or saw or experienced another migraine as long as I live. And this idea of building on what we've already got is important, not just to me or this podcast in general, but just how we interpret and learn from our experiences, from our successes and failures, how we each construct our toolbox of wellness. It's not just one thing. We learn things along the way that can have positive impacts and we add them to the toolbox. So I had to reflect on my strategies for coping with stress, but I did not have to denounce them or throw them away as failures or as ineffective. I had to instead recognize that work was still needed. Lots of work always needed. And I had to build on meditation and mindfulness and my stoic and Buddhist ways of thinking. However, that is not at all to say that I knew what the next building block was going to be at the time. I just stayed open. I paid attention. And that is how I came to some important decisions early on, like stopping school 
And it is why Berkman's book, 4,000 Weeks, landed on me the way it did. There's a, there's a great quote here at page 228, actually, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read where he's speaking about Carl Jung's philosophy and his explanation about how the only thing we can ever be certain of doing, of needing to do, is to, to do the next and most necessary thing. And in describing this, Berkman says, and I quote, The next and most necessary thing is all that any of us can ever aspire to do in any moment, and we must do it despite not having any objective way to be sure what the right course of action even is. There's so much more to the book, but it folded nicely into all of my other philosophies of life and wellness. Buddhism, it teaches that uh, a perpetual sense of wanting and craving something more than what you already have is what can lead to dissatisfaction and suffering. And Stoicism helps learn how to appreciate the things that you have right in front of you uh, while incorporating the knowledge that it's also incredibly temporary for everyone. See how Buddhism and Stoicism fold together, work well together. They offer so much in the way of helping to keep us well in a broad sense. Super important. Very valuable to have these frames of reference to guide our wellness responses. But again, just one or two tools uh, don't do the trick, right? We're never done building our wellness toolbox. A, a single diet doesn't solve every issue, right? We have to incorporate different things, different knowledge about foods that we can use to build on and help fill our toolbox with the right choices. We need layers. Just a single exercise doesn't really do everything that the mind-body needs. So you have to add. And although I was well protected from stress and, and, and well protected from a migraine for many years, um, practicing mindfulness had to be added to. I hadn't been attentive to everything, the pressure that I had applied on myself to follow my mission, for example, to do well. And thankfully, I was paying attention right, to life <laughs> and to Berkman's time management for mortals. It showed up for the third or maybe fourth time in my life, right? It was one of those stumble upon it or hear it for exactly the right time at exactly the right moment in exactly the right way, even though you've encountered it many, many times prior. It finally hits you just right. It was a wonderful, timely uh, lesson about the important and true limits of our individual humanity and capacity. Uh, literally a game-changing explanation of why the countless traditional to-do lists and time management philosophies are hurting and hindering personal progress of wellness and not helping or supporting it. Another wonderful quote uh, at the end of the book that expresses this uh, well. I always find that when authors like this are, are wrapping up these kinds of books towards the back of the book, the end, you get really the greatest pearls of wisdom, and, and this is certainly one of them. Um, and I quote, We waste our lives railing against traffic jams and toddlers for having the temerity to take the time they take because they are blunt reminders of how little control we truly have over our schedules. 
We chase the ultimate fantasy of time mastery, the desire by the time we die to have truly mattered in the cosmic scheme of things. I skip over a few sentences and he continues, quote, the dream of somehow one day getting the upper hand in our relationship with time is the most forgivable of human delusions because the alternative is so unsettling. But unfortunately, he says, it's the alternative that's true. The struggle is doomed to fail because your quantity of time is so limited, you'll never reach the commanding position of being able to handle every demand that might be thrown at you or pursue every ambition that feels important. He concludes, you'll be obligated to make tough choices instead. So I'm not saying I'm done building. I'm just saying that for my sake, learning how to be in the moment, how to appreciate what is in front of us, went a long way to guard me against migraines early in life and occurring more frequently. But it is no less than thrilling to me that I encountered and and read an additional extremely valuable philosophy of life and wellness, a tool that quickly was able to guide my recovery along my personal path of wellness. Until next time.